Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 35. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. Over the last few weeks, we've had a bunch of new subscribers here to the podcast, and if for some reason you don't know about the magazine, I would encourage you to head over to rootlessliving.com and you can grab a free digital subscription. Today we're talking to Art and Bonnie, and we chat about what it's like after retirement to downsize from a 3,500 square foot home to a fifth wheel, and what it's been like being retired and traveling the country full time for the last four years. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, and with that, I want to welcome Art and Bonnie to the show. How are you guys? Good. Thank you for having us. We're so excited. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I really enjoy having people from different walks of life on the show, and I'm excited to help tell your story. Now, as we jump into it, first question I like to ask is, what do you guys consider yourselves? Full-timers, part-timers, some-timers when it comes to this lifestyle? We are full-timers over four years now. Well, can we go back four years ago before you got into the RV and tell me where you were living, what you guys were doing, and Maybe we'll even get into kind of just the transition into full-time RV life. Okay, I guess Art, let me answer that. We were living just north of the city of Los Angeles in the Santa Clarita Valley, and Art was working for the gas company there. He is a oil and gas uh, engineer, and I was just enjoying the Southern California lifestyle. Uh, although we started planning to escape a couple years before that we did a lot of planning uh, prior to just taking up and what kind of made you guys feel like let's go full-time in rv or where did you get that kind of idea from we actually had a failed sort of failed attempt in about 2007 uh we were already thinking about it way back then and to be honest i can't say what caused us to, to go down that path but for, there was some reason we thought it would be a neat thing to do I know the answer. You do? Yes. Okay. So Art and I figured that we were just going to have to work until we died to pay for, you know, all the expenses of living in the world nowadays. And then we figured out, well, we could just get an RV and travel around, which we love to do. And um, we could more afford it and not have to be so stuck, you know, working 40 plus hours a week. That makes sense. Now, was this like just a retirement plan or was the idea to get on the road and and work while on the road? Or is this uh, after work's done, this is what we're doing? More of a retirement plan. Although we had researched work camper jobs for years right? prior to that. And so our plan was, oh, we could work part of the time. Actually, Art ended up, he retired and then he worked uh, for a couple more years part-time as a consultant in what years was that, Art? 17 and 18. It was pretty much full-time. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Now, when you guys were living back in L.A. County, uh, I like to talk about kind of square footage sometimes. What size home did you go from? And then we can get into what kind of rig did you move into? That's really funny. I love to tell that because we lived in a 3,400 square foot house. It was really big. We had swimming pool, hot tub. You know, we just we were living the life. Um, Yeah, it was just the two of us. We have a son, but he's grown. And have you done any RVing before going full-time? Was there like an RV at the house? It was something you guys did as camping or was was there any experience in RVing? 
Uh, I did a lot of camping as a child. My parents loved to camp and fish, so we did that, you know, constantly during the summer. Art, he'd only mainly did like tent camping when he was a child. But then once we decided we were going to think about doing this, we bought a land travel trailer. And that was kind of like our weekend warrior trips that we would go, you know, like to the beach and up and down the coast. California and um, to see if we really liked it or not before we went full time. Yeah, I'm always worried about people renting rigs to kind of figure it out because it's a it's a different experience when you rent one for like a week or a weekend. Uh, there's just a lot that goes into prepping for that. But if you can have something, you know, that's yours that you can use part time sometime and then uh, make the transition, it's always better. But I'm always amazed there's a lot of people that have had zero experience when they've gotten into this lifestyle. Yep, we called that our little starter home, and uh, that went good, yeah. We had that for a couple of years. A couple of years, yeah. When you guys went full-time in 2016, what did you guys, were you traveling in the Lance trailer, or did you have something else that you purchased then? Oh, no. Then we we went to, we bought a New Horizon fifth wheel, and they're out of um, Kansas, Junction City, Kansas, and they don't sell at, um, uh, distributors, or I guess, what do you call that? There's no dealer network. Dealer network. You just buy straight from them. And so they custom build at that point. They were custom building all of their, and so it's really awesome. We, but anyway, yeah, we spent about a year designing it. And then we went to the factory. We sold our house. And then in June of 2016, we went to the factory and picked it up. How big of a fifth wheel is this? It's 39 feet. And how long, how long was the travel trailer that you guys had? It was about 20. 20, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's almost double. It's a it's a big difference. It's always funny to me. I mean, I don't want regulations changed, but it's very funny that you don't have to have a special license to pull something that's 40 <laughs> feet long and have zero yeah. experience. I mean, we're as big as a semi when we pull up to the, you know, truck stop to get gas, <laughs> diesel. And how's, been, how's that been as a, a couple that's been married for a while and you go full-time RVing and you have to experience the back-end process? How's the guy's marriage? How are you guys doing? We're doing good. You know, this is kind of a trying time, though, with the pandemic. We have been together nonstop since, well, I don't know how long, at least since March. <laughs> you know, we have our days. Where did you guys hunker down during kind of when things really started to shut down? Where were you guys located? Uh, we were in Borrego Springs, California for the winter. Uh, going back to what we were saying, how we were going to be work campers, but we never did do that. We just started traveling around and we forgot about that part. But finally, uh, last fall, we got the most amazing uh, work camper gig at Borrego Springs, California. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's super awesome. Oh, there's my word on. <laughs> and uh, we were park host. It, basically, it's a San Diego County park, but it was um, more like a city park. It was right in town. And so we had plans to stay there until when, right? We originally planned to leave April 1st. But then we said, well, I guess we better just keep sheltering in place. So we didn't leave there until May. And the only reason we left was because, you know, you cannot live in this trailer when it already was getting, you know, 100 degrees outside. No, without a doubt. There's only so much the, the AC units in a in a fifth wheel, even, you know, even the high end ones, it's still just not made for that kind of heat. Yeah. Our air conditioner was running like nonstop, which of course we couldn't let it do that. And, um, keeping it maybe around 86 degrees in here. That was as low as we could get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I did an Arizona stop that 
was like 105 and I think the lowest I could get it inside was about 95 degrees. It was just too much. Oh, wow. 95? Wow, that's hot. <laughs> so where are you guys right now? So we are currently in uh, central Illinois and Champaign, Illinois. We This would be our fifth year coming here only because uh, we grew up here. And so we still have a lot of relatives and friends here. So we usually try to come here in the summer to visit. That's nice. So you've been doing that longer than you've actually been full-time RVing. Well, no, this was our first uh, stop. Uh, when we first went full-time RVing in 2016. So actually it was 2017, 18, 19, 20, five years, five times, I guess. Yeah. That's where my math I think got wrong was the five times as opposed to four years. Right. That's not weird. (laughs) Oh, we're four times, four years and five times. (laughs) Now with your guys' travel, has there been kind of like a a theme per se? Was there like, here's what we want to do. We want to do all low 48. We want to include Alaska or has it just been, you know, we're just going to go with the flow or how have things changed since when you left? What was that like? Well, we had ideas, but they were, you know, sort of amorphous. And I have a dream of, of doing cruise all the way across Canada from West to East, make it like a summer voyage, and then come down through New England in the fall. And that's never happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. You think you've got a lot of plans, but then things happen in life and it changes. <laughs> And that's literally why I ask that question sometimes, because I think it's funny how everyone starts with some sort of, here's the plan. And yet, once you get on the, like for us example, you know, we were on the road to just be on the road for a year. And now we're, you know, three plus years because we just like the lifestyle so much. And for everyone, there is that kind of change where sometimes they have like a theme or an idea that they're going to do, but then life changes. Okay, well, normally from the travel stuff, I like to kind of transition into work, but it sounds like you're both retired and you've kind of said ixnay to the work camper stuff. Are you guys doing anything for employment on the road or are you just really just retired and enjoying uh, the travel? Well, actually, we, uh, like I said, Art did the work um, consulting, the uh, uh, gas, uh, natural gas engineering that was for a couple years and um we did the work camper gig but that doesn't pay you anything but it does provide you a spot and of course you know all your utilities is awesome and i just recently started a online business with a company called norwick and i just got a blog set up which is going to be called Cody Wample, C-O-D-D-I-W-O-M-P-L-E. Do you know what that word means? No, I don't. <laughs> I didn't either, but I love this word. Uh, it means, okay, now I'm getting it up. <laughs> so like, what does the word mean? I don't know what it means. Okay, traveling to an as-yet-unknown destination. Oh, wait, that's not right. <laughs> this is awesome. You love the word, but you don't. <laughs> traveling without plans is a better way to say it. Well, there's actually a definition, I say, yeah. but now all of a sudden my brain's not working, but let <laughs> I, me think about it. I love it. Traveling, anyway, traveling out with plans sounds amazing, so I totally can dig that. One of the things, when we were thinking about doing this, um, I always thought, we're going to travel around, and we're going to find a place that we absolutely love, and then that's going to, like, force this, you know, to find the spot again, but it's kind of funny because... Oh, we've went so many places that we love, but no place that I really want to just stay there forever yet. So we're just still traveling around to an as yet unknown destination. We're potty wamplers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Let's go back to the 3,500 square foot home. Um, now that you've oh. been in 400 square feet, 
Do you look back at that house and you just kind of say to yourself, and I'll, I'll speak for me, wow, what a waste of space. I can't believe we fought so hard to have this large home that really now, knowing what we know now, it doesn't make sense. How are you guys processing having that giant house? Exactly. Oh my gosh. I'm such a minimalist now. I feel so free to be rid of all of that stuff that you have to have to go along with that 3,400 square feet. And actually the last couple of years that we've lived there, I love to like entertain and have friends over and cook and pool parties and all that. But I started to feel like I was kind of like the uh, slave to the house. No, that makes a lot of sense. I, I talk about sometimes I wish this was a lifestyle more of us were doing like out of high school and just, you know, whatever it was for like a year or two, because I think it does change you to the point where, I mean, I really, really wanted that probably 8,000 square foot house, if I'm really honest. And that was more for, you know, the people around me to be in awe of what I've been able to create by having this giant home. But now I look at it as I can't believe I had all that space. And I even thought my homes were small and most of them were three, four times the size of my fifth wheel. So it's interesting when I see someone going from a 3,500 to 400 square feet, how was that transition? I mean, I feel like it's, I feel like, you know, it's kind of stereotypical when I talk to people, uh, usually the woman is like, it was really hard to get rid of all this stuff. And the guy was like, I miss my garage. Like those are the two things I think like I hear all the time. How was it for you guys downsizing? It was just, it, it was a huge chore. It's amazing how much work is involved in getting rid of all that stuff. I mean, you're trying to sell it, you're trying to find a home for it, you know, and you end up, we ended up giving a lot of stuff to charity, like the dog pound or sales that they hold in order to wet raise funds for the, for the charity. Gotcha. But, yeah, we spent, I, I can't remember how many months it was when we started, but it was quite an ordeal. We were lucky. We met a couple when we were just going around on the weekends in our land that were full-time RVers. And one of the things the guy told me, because I told him I wanted to do that, he said, if you're thinking about doing that, you need to go home now and start getting rid of stuff because it takes a long time. <laughs> and so, yeah, I spent a good six months at least just getting rid of everything. But I loved it. Art is more sentimental than me. I'm more able to get rid of things. At first, we had storage units. It took a couple years to get those all cleared out but we have nothing now except for what's in our fifth wheel so yeah it was a it was quite interesting to do all that and to get rid of everything for sure yeah i feel like it's a real battle for people i think a lot of people we lose them in the idea of this of having to get rid of everything and then there's a lot of people that say well what if i don't like it so let me store everything and i don't know if anyone's really done the math i'm not talking about family heirlooms or like priceless stuff but just the furniture the dishes the microwave whatever if you put that in storage after three or four years, did you buy it again, basically, by storing it? You know what I mean? And do people think through that? But I just, hearing you talk about how it takes six months to get rid of stuff that you don't need in everyday life, because, I mean, we're still living life like normal, you know, for like most folks. We still need our wine openers. We still need, you know, a TV. We still need those things. But there's so much that we just don't need, and it takes forever to get rid of it. It's so bizarre to me. So it's just great I to hear. I totally agree. I totally agree. The funny part was, is I'm real, I love to cook. I'm a foodie. And so I parred my kitchen appliances and dishes and all that down to what must, must, must have. And then we got the trailer and we took it back to California and I brought in these storage boxes of my must have items. And I realized, 
oh, okay. I still need to get rid of half of this. Now you, you bring up California again. Are you guys still California residents or did you change residency when you went full time? No, we're South Dakotans. Yep. Yep. Same here. And, uh, do you tell okay, people, exactly. do you tell people you're from California? Um, when you run into them? Oh no. We <laughs> say we grew up in Illinois. The last place we had a home was California and yeah, now we're South Dakotans. <laughs> we actually just spent the last month. We were the whole month of July in Custer, South Dakota. I'm from Sioux Falls now officially. I've only lived there three days, but I'm originally oh, see, up until, yeah, up until this last month, we had only been there for like, I don't know, a week or so. <laughs> when people see my license plate and they're like what part of south dakota i'm always like oh los angeles and they're like there's a los angeles in south dakota <laughs> i'm like no but and then i get to explain it but more and more as time goes on i uh have stopped kind of telling people especially in the first you know maybe half hour that i'm originally from california it's kind of sad but yeah i just say i'm from south dakota now so are you from california you born and raised there no um i was born in seattle and then uh, my parents were in theater. I don't think I've actually ever talked about this on the podcast, really. And so we lived in oh. Boston, New York, Germany. And then oh, wow. we got back into Los Angeles when I was like five or six. And then I left Los Angeles at like 46. So I spent about 40 years in Southern California. I don't really wow, have a lot of memory. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't have it <laughs> like as a brand or a tattoo on me somewhere. I mean, I definitely... Love the state and I enjoyed growing up there. Uh, what I noticed, and maybe you guys can answer this, I feel like this falls into like the sushi category where people will say, Oh, I hate sushi. And what don't you like about it? Oh, I've never had it. People will say, Oh, I hate California. And I'm like, Why? What happened when you were there? Oh, I've never been. And I'm like, How can you hate a place you've never been? <laughs> like, you should at least experience it. You know, that's the worst thing I think I've ever heard. Go and experience it. And if, if it matches up to Fox News or CNN, whichever side you, like to watch, then fine, but at least experience it for yourself once. Yeah, well, you know, the, it's so beautiful. the old moniker of the land of fruits and nuts has been around for a long time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've heard it most of my life, it seems like. Actually, I lived in California on three different occasions, got tired of it all three times. That's what I always say is I'm not, I'm not there anymore. I left. I love the geography. It's a beautiful state. There's, it's got so much. After, after so long, the, I'm using the term very loosely, but the politics, the life, you know, the cost, just there's so much. The people, the, the fact that it's so crowded, uh, it all starts to weigh on me after a while. And, and so that's why I've moved away from California for three times. <laughs> And every time I plan not to become a resident again. Well, I think it is it is a state that if you have to live and work in certain industries, then you definitely need to be there. I mean, there's just no way around it. And, you know, as I see a lot of even, let's say, comedians that are living in Los Angeles because of just the comedy clubs, the different television shows, they're all thinking about right. leaving now. They're paying that tax. Let's refer to it as that. They're paying that extra money to be close to that and all of that is shut down and you realize really quickly that you're there for those things. And if you can't do those things, there's really not a reason to be there. I, if you're in oh, the industry, true. you should be there. But if you're not, I don't, I don't really get it. Unless, right. If you're working at Starbucks, you can work at Starbucks in 48 other amazing States. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of a thing. Well, let's uh, transition to explore a little if we can. So this is something I like to talk about. What do you guys like to do when you're not traveling? What is it that you guys, when you guys have hunkered down for a little while, what is it that you guys like to get out and do? 
Well, let's see. I'll go first because Art and I have some different things that we like to do. But uh, I like to do a lot of like yoga, Pilates, meditation, journaling. I'm kind of a woo-woo person. And then I also uh, like photography, visiting with my grandson if he's around. What do you like, Art? My music. Oh, yeah, music. We love music. Uh, I like photography, but uh, I go way back to film. I used to shoot quite a bit. And then, you know, you grow up, and over the years, I sort of just, it just sort of, well, it drifted away from me, I think, because other things got in the way. A couple of years ago, I bought my first digital camera. Broke my heart to give up the film, but uh, <laughs> but it's just not practical when you're on the road these days. I mean, it's hard to find a place to get four by five cheap film process. Oh, you used to cheat and have someone do it for you? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So I had a couple Nikon F, you know, 1970s versions, and, and I had a 1940s 4x5 view camera that I carried for years and years, and uh, so I had to just trade it all in. Yeah, digital is really the way to go with photography, especially travel photography today. I mean, film is definitely an yeah. art form. And I'm grateful that all my kids really like photography and they've all learned film, even though obviously film wasn't really being taught, but they've all on their own went and found a way to kind of work around film. And it's, it's really awesome. I mean, it's, it's still definitely needed, but in our lifestyle, like you said, it does make it pretty difficult in regards to uh, like when you guys are exploring and stuff in same places, what have been some of your favorites? One of our favorite places is Acoma, New Mexico. New Mexico, just west of Albuquerque a little way. Uh, if you've been across Interstate 40, you may have seen Sky City Casino. I think I recall that. Is, so, and they have a little RV park right there at the casino. And it's, it's really all you need. It's not fancy, but it has everything you need. And it's inexpensive, and it's well-kept, and it's got good Wi-Fi, and it's next to the casino. It has a couple restaurants. But that's not where and, we go. And Acoma, the old village, is about 10 miles from the RV park. And it's the oldest continuously inhabited community in the United States. They've been living on top of this plateau for a thousand years. Wow. And uh, we've been there twice. We like it so much. If you've never been there, you've got to go. It's so beautiful. So we mainly like to go out in nature, anything scenic. Uh, we love history, museums. Do you guys do a lot we of like boondocking? We haven't been big boondockers, although our trailers set up to the max for it, you know, with the solar panels and generator and all that kind of stuff. But we recently just started doing it. The COVID thing pushed us sort of in different directions of what we had normally been. And uh, we've been Harvest Host members for years, but we didn't use them. We used Harvest Host a lot in the last couple two, months, two yeah. months while we were on this COVID cruise thing. So, <laughs> COVID cruise. <laughs> uh, and that allows us to pull in somewhere for the night and and we have the ability to do that so we're we're thankful for that we've avoided cities we've avoided high population areas and we've followed up where we've monitored the numbers along the way yeah i mean that definitely about this lifestyle and i think people are recognizing that it does allow you to control that where you know i've got three of my kids are in orange county and i've got one in new york 
they don't have a choice. That's where they're at. Or with our right. lifestyle, we can, you know, I'm in, I'm in Elkhart, Indiana right now, kind of the RV Mecca. Oh, the you're world. in Elkhart? We've yeah. been there before. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I actually think it's a decent destination spot for people. I feel like if you're a full-time RVer, you should come here at some point for sure. But again, I mean, if it got to the point where it got worried or crazy, you know, we can get on and see where the, you know, there aren't a lot of hot spots and take off and head to some rural area or boondock and just kind of be able to space out. I mean, both of our lifestyles are social distancing if we want to do it so much easier than you can in a big city for sure. Right. When we left California, we purposely traveled. We researched it and we went to cities or counties or whatever that we went all the way up the east side of California and then all the way up the west coast of Oregon. And we never stayed in a place that had more than 10 cases of COVID in any county. I tell people that and most of the time I feel like they don't really believe me. Mm-hmm. But until we just got here in Champaign, Illinois, we had never stayed any place that had more than 10 COVID cases. When we got to Custer the other last month in july they had two cases in the whole county yeah i know it's it's hard for people that are in big cities to know that there are numbers that low in some of the rural areas i think where we were hunkered down in texas i think the county never went over like 25 and it was still a pretty large county most counties in texas are pretty big so we just didn't really have a lot of worry about that we felt really kind of safe in a way, if you can feel safe in and around this, we just felt safer because we could really control it. it it's tough for people because yeah, they can't. We, we've, been, we've been places where we don't know anyone. And so, yeah, it's just Art and I. Up until we got here, we had not been inside of anyone's house since March up until just this weekend when we got here and we went to my cousin's house. <laughs> I'm, I'm so worried that I don't know how to like shake a hand or hug anymore. <laughs> like I'm really, Thank you. I wonder if I've lost yeah. that skill set. Like I got to you know, go back to it. But if it, I'm also kind of a little bit of a, a history buff on stuff. And when you kind of find out that oh. handshaking was brought on to make sure that the other person didn't have a weapon, you kind of like, well, maybe we don't have to do that anymore. Not a lot of us are carrying weapons anymore. Interesting. Well, I'm a hugger. So yeah, I miss hugging. <laughs> well, as we kind of wrap up, one of the things I like to do, this actually comes from me as a single parent having custody of all four of my kids. And we would sit down at dinner and they're all in different stages of life, I would ask them a high-low. And I like to do it too in and around the RV lifestyle, because especially within social media, most RVers or digital nomads are only putting up the highs. So I always like to kind of start with the low, but the low can't be a blowout tire or bad internet. But over the last four years, and now I guess I should throw COVID in, over the last four years, what's been kind of a low in the lifestyle that you just didn't realize might happen because of the lifestyle. Well, I think in July, we just had one of our lowest lows. We got in a huge uh, hailstorm in South Dakota. It was the worst storm we'd ever been in four years, and it did $7,000 damage to our truck. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that's like golf ball size hail then, right? But, yeah, it was ping pong. pong. <laughs> uh, thanks for, thank, thank goodness for insurance. Thank God, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. But I guess getting mail is difficult, as you probably know. Uh, doctor's appointments are difficult. Do you guys still have to go back uh, into California for doctor's appointments, or are you guys doing them on the road? I mean, luckily, we're very healthy, so we don't uh, regularly have to go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we just we basically just go, you know, wherever we're at. I do have one doctor in California. But I usually stay in California in the wintertime, so I'll go there and visit them. They're really awesome. 
that's about it. In all honesty, we now have doctors all over the country. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? We go to the dentist. We, we have specialists in Texas. <laughs> we have specialists in Illinois. Uh, we got our California. Yeah, California specialists, yeah. But that's difficult. Yeah, and I feel like that's another thing that, that scares people about the lifestyle. Like, what am I going to do about health insurance and stuff like that? And, you know, people travel all the time. And that's never a worry where it's like, oh, we're going to go to New York for two weeks. Well, you never say, well, what if this happens during those two weeks? You oh, go to New York. York. <laughs> and it's the same thing. I mean, I get that you're out of your home state longer, but it's the right. same kind of like, it's not a worry when you're traveling for two weeks or even a month. But once you decide to do it as a lifestyle, it, it's weird to me that people don't think about, oh, we're going to go to Texas for three weeks and spend time with family. What about health insurance? What are you going to do about your doctor? <laughs> like nobody... <laughs> starts to think about it well here's here's something to throw in the in the thought hopper in about a month i will become a medicare subscriber and medicare is is national <laughs> there you go you don't have to worry about being in a certain state where your doctors are at yeah it sounds like a game changer that'll be nice uh, and i'm sure all of our doctors that we use all these you know this specialist and that specialist they all accept medicare we just no. carry a like a file around, and then you have it with you for the doctors. Or it's like here's all my older X-rays. Oddly enough, I do carry a file around. Nice. I know I'm not very organized with that, but like I said, I'm not really. Thank God, I'm not ill or anything. But the other thing is, you have to have a different mindset about the health thing, the health care. We don't have a problem with just paying out of our pocket and we have discovered over the last four years if you go to a doctor and you go i'm not i'm not going to claim this on my insurance because they won't pay for it and they'll cut you like a deal if people didn't know that that's what happens <laughs> oh no for sure i remember thinking like even when i had the kids the times that we went to the doctor were very few and far between and really all i wanted was if one of them broke an arm it wouldn't bankrupt me but as far as i had no problem paying out of pocket if i had to go you know, just for a flu or something. I do have one story right. that I, I like telling little jokes, but sometimes I should wait until the people actually know me. My youngest daughter, so my fourth child, had a really bad ear infection and they, it just, the normal medicines weren't working. So they prescribed something else and I went to go pick it up. It was like 260 bucks. It was a lot of money. And I looked at the pharmacist and I'm like, you know, this is my fourth kid. Do you got anything like around 40 bucks? You know, I was totally kidding. You know what I mean? Like really, you know, three out of four that can hear well, that's pretty good. And oh, her, her face, she looked at me like I was the worst parent in the world. And I'm like, no, I'm kidding. It's okay. Here's, here's two credit cards though to be able to pay for this. It, I just couldn't believe how expensive it was. So let's get into the high. What's been the, the kind of like, I can't believe this is our life moment or moments even if you each want to share one. Oh boy. What do you think, Jim? All right. What's your high? <laughs> I just like the freedom just to pick up and go where we want to go and we don't have to like uh worry about who to answer to or the job or having to be in a certain location at a certain time. We're not like really good uh planners. We're more like spur of the moment. So that's that part I love, just going where I want to go. And so we did have a few plans for this summer. We were going to go to Canada, a couple other things that all got canceled, but we were able just, like I said earlier, to just change up. And we said, let's go, you know, in the Northwest, which we had always planned on doing and we hadn't. And so we spent, well, over a 
months in Oregon, hanging out on the coast in little towns and eating a lot of seafood that we, you know, got from local fishermen. To me, that was amazing. Gotcha. Yeah, it was three months. Oh, three months. <laughs> three months, give or take a few days, that we were basically just on a cruise. We didn't have any grand plans. We had some just rough sketches of we'll go this way and we'll go that way. We stayed, uh, we're Elks Club members. So we did some Elks Club RV parks, which were a godsend. And then we did some harvest host places, which worked out to be uh, a great. Uh, but what's your high, man? What's your high? Uh, I think, I think for me, the highs are like finding myself in a place that uh, turns out to be better than I imagined. Mm. Uh, some of the places we've stayed, we've kind of fallen in love with. We love Las Cruces in Mexico. If we're going across Arizona or, or if we're coming from the Midwest and we're going out that way, we just sort of try to transit through Las Cruces. There's an RV park we like there, and, and it's close to the old, the, the old community on the southern side of Las Cruces that goes back to the 1600s or 1800s, something like that. It's got a lot of history. We fell in love with the desert this last winter, staying out at Borrego Spring. And it was, was unique because we'd never spent that much time in the desert, although I've worked in hot places and lived up in the San Joaquin Valley for years. And, but it wasn't the same as, as being down there. In the- I love that we have been able to travel all over the country and visit with friends and relatives that some we had not seen for years. And now we've reconnected with so many people like that that we had kind of lost our connection with before when we were, you know, sitting in one place and they were, well, they're still sitting in one place, but we go to them. <laughs> it definitely does make visiting family a lot easier. And, you know, I mean, the majority of my family is still back in California. But if I would have done this in my 20s or 30s, there would have been a ton of family I could have went and visited if there's just all kind of, you know, my whether my grandparents' brothers and sisters or like my mom and dad's cousins. It would have been really kind of fun to be able to do that. Where now I don't know my parents' cousins' kids. Like we didn't have that kind of family. There wasn't this big reunion where I could call them up and be like, hey, we're second cousins. I'm on my way. You know, they'd just be like, oh, we don't know who you are kind of a thing. But if I would have went earlier, I could have, I mean, I would have known who all my great uncles were. I'd seen them before and then their kids, it would have made a lot of sense. But they've most of them have since have passed, but I wish I would have done it at a younger age for sure. Visiting family, it just makes it easier. Now, if people want to reach out uh, and just find you guys, where can they do that? Where are you guys on in regards to like social media and stuff? Where can people find you? Uh, our new blog is going to be Cody Wample. It's C-O-D-D-I-W-O-M-P-L-E.com. Awesome. And I'll make sure to link that down below so you don't have to try to quickly spell it out. And that way you can just click on it and find it. Art and Bonnie, I really appreciate you guys coming on and kind of sharing your story. And, you know, if people need to reach out and want to ask some questions about, you know, because maybe your story is similar to the, theirs, I hope they reach out to you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. We so enjoyed being on here and meeting with you. Same. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. Well, another fun episode, and hopefully you enjoyed hearing from a couple that found a way to hit the road and how they navigated COVID. For more information about Art and Bonnie, head over to their blog at www.cody, which is spelled C-O-D-D-I-Wample, W-O-M-P-L-E.com, Cody Wample. Now, for some reason, if I'm saying it or spelling it wrong, hopefully I get a little bit of slack. Bonnie will tell you it's hard to spell, but it's linked below.
Also, just a friendly reminder, if you like the Rootless Living podcast or even the magazine, make sure to tell your friends and family by sharing it on your favorite social media platform. It's a really big help in getting the word out, and I thank every single one of you that has been doing that. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com, and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.